Hi there. Welcome to episode 19 of Eccentric Chai, the podcast for artistic misfits, wayward explorers, and the creatively weird. I'm your host, Lena Forrester. This episode is going to be all about human emotions. Uh, maybe a little bit of science behind the emotions, maybe a little bit of philosophy and and psychology and theories and I won't get too in-depth with that. <laughs> I don't want to bore you. Uh, but also, what are some ways we can anchor ourselves to these emotions so that we can create more honest and more emotional work? And then, what can we do on days when we're not really feeling one way or another in particular? We're just kind of... We're just there. We're just normal, right? Before we begin, don't forget this podcast is a sister project to my blog, also called Eccentric Chai. And if you would rather watch this episode, you would you can watch me scribble during this episode on my YouTube channel. Both links to the blog and the YouTube channel will be in the show notes if you would like to try a different method of getting the information from this episode. So, <laughs> and now without further ado, let's get started. I wrote in my blog article last week that I do my best work when I am feeling emotions and that's somewhat true but actually after doing a bit of more soul searching and, and experimenting and, and processing this last week I've actually also come to the idea that I'm not always feeling one way or another but I can still produce some pretty good honest work right. There are times when we just feel not, I don't want to say flatline because that's dead, right? I want to say neutral, right? Where if you play Sims, it's fine. You're not feeling uh, one way or another in particular. You're just kind of, you're just content. You're just fine, right? Um, and what happens if you only have like a three-hour window to work on your artwork a week. And in that three hour window, you're not feeling anything. Do you just not work? No, that's, that's not how we, you know, if this is your job, you have to work whether you're feeling it or not. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we create good, honest, emotional work when we're not really feeling anything emotionally? It's definitely possible. And it's definitely possible to create artwork that isn't necessarily emotional but really speaks emotion you know if that, if that makes sense I don't know if that makes sense but it's a visual for certain emotion right and certain experiences and certain feelings yada yada bop nada. anyway so the first thing I just kind of wanted to talk about was a bit of science behind your emotions I'm going to assume that most of you all know that emotions are caused by chemicals in your brain, right? There are certain chemicals that are released that have you feeling one way or another. You have things like endorphins and adrenaline, and then you have neurotransmitters that kind of communicate to send these signals around to make you feel, to release these emotion, uh, chemicals to feel a certain way. Things like uh, neurotransmitters like serotonin, you got dopamine, you've got all kinds of stuff. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in there physically, chemically, and with these neurotransmitters and everything that cause human emotion. It's incredible, right? It's absolutely incredible. 
There have been a lot of psychologists and philosophers and theories that kind of explains why we have this chemical reaction in the first place. Obviously, we are taking in information and we're reacting to it, right? But what causes that reaction to a certain thing, right? So what, <laughs> I can't, it's hard to explain this. When you're walking down the street and you see a gigantic oak tree, what is it that makes you stop and go, oh, and then you feel this incredibly inspired feeling and you just want to look at it forever and you're so in awe. Something triggered that, right? What was it exactly that stopped you? Was it the tree itself or was it an experience or a collection of experiences in your life that kind of created this identity that stopped to look at a big giant tree? This is where I start to talk about Carl Jung, who I think it was really, really just on point when it comes to human emotion. He believed in the unconscious. He kind of took a little bit from Freud with the subconscious and everything. And he said it's an unconscious. So when you're out and about, your subconscious or your unconscious, as he would take it, you're taking in all of this information, right? While it's taking in all this information and having these unconscious thoughts, unconscious uh feelings, unconscious perspectives, you're, it's, it's using all of this information to continue to build your identity, right? A really, really simplified example of this is when you go to the store and you buy a certain brand of something, not because it's better, but because of reasons unknown. You always buy this brand, it's your go-to brand, and you can't really explain why. You want this brand more than the generic brand, but it's just, this is, this is the one you get. This is the one that you feel safe getting. That is an unconscious reaction that has happened over time that you are now getting this brand, even though it costs more, because of part of your identity it tells you that this is what you need to have, right? So a lot of this theory is Carl Jung, but I think there's a bit of Piaget in there and probably a bunch of other philosophers that are psychologists that I can't remember at the moment. Uh, they all believed that our experiences and all that information that the unconscious or subconscious was taking in to create our identity is what ultimately causes these chemical reactions to things, to stimuli in our environment, right? Obviously, there is some nature in there too, like both your parents are artists, maybe it's just in your genes, right? And you, you, you're an artist because you, something inside of you that you can't explain wants you to create, right? There's obviously some nature in there too, but a lot of it has to do with all of this information that has been taken in over your life up until this point to create who you are and how you react to certain things. Like a big one would be a PTSD reaction if to someone who was in a war, right? That's a really big reaction. But if we're going to talk about like a normal, like day-to-day -day kind of reaction, say that you drive by a park that you used to go to when you were a little kid and you just kind of have that resonance there. It's not like a conscious, oh, I'm so, oh my God, it's the park I used to grow up my whole life. And then, and then you think of all your childhood. No, it's just like a resonance. You feel it and then it's gone. It's, but that's an example of how, of reacting emotionally to things 
that are directly influenced by experiences that you've had in your life that have all been kind of compiled into your identity and what makes you who you are. So now that you know this, you can go out and see how you react emotionally to certain things and maybe start trying to create a little bit of self-searching, self-awareness to find out why it is you react that way and maybe you can put that to good use. Sometimes we can actually utilize that in our work. For instance, if you see a really light blue or a turquoise or robin's egg blue in my artwork, there is a very good chance that I was had a bit of childhood memory in that piece. So and that is really just based on me spending a lot of time at my grandma's house who lived in a pretty blue house. She had a lot of blue jays in her backyard and I would always find crushed up or not crushed up but hatched robin's eggs in the backyard. I just have blue in my childhood and the blue skies with the big white puffy clouds rolling across. I mean it's just I have really pretty memories with in that that part of my childhood. I was outside a lot. So that's one example. So Think about things like that. Think about colors that you react to emotionally. Think about uh, times of days that you react to emotionally. Why is it that when I hear crickets, the songs of crickets, that I feel something so deep that I can't even really process it? There's a reason behind that. I should look into that, right? There's a reason that when I hear a robin chirping in the morning, I feel that same deep resonant feeling and I, I should so I should search it. I should look into that. I can't talk right now. I should look into that. So think about the things that you react to emotionally. What is it about that that you think is making you react that way? The next part of so you have your your initial experiences which influence your emotions but then your emotions influence your actions right and if you're an intuitive artist your emotions are going to influence your work actually I think if you're any kind of creator your emotions are going to influence your work right musicians are going to create from the heart writers are going to be writing what they know uh Visual artists are going to be using colors that resonate with them, right? It's all, think about uh, Van Gogh, my spirit animal. <laughs> the color yellow comes up a lot in his work. And I learned that it's most likely due to when his family dropped him off at a relative's house, I think, when he was younger because he didn't want to move. And he watched them leave in a yellow car. And so he kind of has yellow uh, as a feeling to kind of correlate to the feeling of abandonment. But at the same time, he has these beautiful yellow sunflowers and everything, which is all about his childhood. He grew up with around these yellow fields. And, and so there's just, there's just a, a, there's a happy and a bittersweet kind of feeling of yellow. Yellow means a lot to Van Gogh. And then his self-portraits, right? When he first learned that he was dying of syphilis, which everybody was at that time, <laughs> in that time, he painted one of my absolute favorite pieces of art of all time. And it's that self-portrait of him as a skeleton smoking a cigarette. It is almost like a big middle finger to death. Like, yeah, this is what I am now. Like... <laughs> It was, it's so clever and, and deep and just also hilarious at the same time. It was his way of processing that he was going to die sooner than later. That his, he had just been given a terminal, um, 
a terminal diagnosis. And so he went and painted himself as a skeleton smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I just love it. Um, so that is an example of how our emotions are going to influence our work. Sometimes indirectly and sometimes in that case with a skeleton, I'm pretty sure it was a conscious idea to do that. So <laughs> think about that. Think about ways that your emotion has... Uh, has contributed to different pieces of work. Maybe pick out five of your pieces that had that you know were super fueled by emotion and maybe take them apart. Uh, figure out what emotions were there and why and what came about. And, and it kind of builds on your identity. It kind of uh, affirms who you are as a person you know, that unconscious part of you that's taking in all that information, it's not just building, you know, basic identity, it's building your morals, it's building your values, it's building your beliefs, it's building your likes and dislikes, it's, it's, it's just putting all that together. It's building your aspirations, it's building the things that you don't want in life, it's building the things you do want in life, you have probably in your mind a place that you want to visit in your life. That is like a life goal. I want to visit this place before I die. There's a reason for that. Somewhere along the lines, unconsciously, you realized that this is a place you want to see. So think about it. Think about all those things that kind of have been all put together to create who you are. You're, you're a literal fingerprint. You are a one in a seven billion person. Nobody has had all the same exact experience as you, all the same exact reactions to things as you, all the same exact everything as you. There, you have your own personal self that is comparable, sure, to people, but is in, in an essence, truly, truly one of a kind. So embrace that embrace that figure it out what it is that makes you one of a kind and try to put that toward your creativity so last week on the blog i talked about um finding an anchor to hold you to certain emotions so that you can work on your on your creative endeavors. But I kind of want to take that a step further. I don't want to really focus solely on emotion. I kind of want to say you need to find an anchor to keep you in the right mindset of the whatever creative uh, project you are working on at the time. So to kind of give you an example, when I was in my 20s, I really wanted to be an author. I wrote several books that I never published, but they, and they were all in the, par most of them were in the paranormal genre. My main characters were usually dead. And there would always be this creepy haunting vibe to them. Um, but I would have an issue writing in during, say, like, midsummer. <laughs> I, I can't get into that creepy, gloomy, dark, autumny, spooky mentality when it's 100 degrees and blindingly sunny outside. So one of the things that I would do is I would close all the shutters, shutters, ha, I would close all the drapes in my house and 
I would light some candles and kind of pretend like it was fall outside, but that is never enough just to change my environment. So that's not my anchor. That's more like, say we're, we've got a matchbox. The sandpaper is the mood that I'm trying to go for in a piece. In this case, it's spooky, right? Spooky, eerie. And then the initial strike would be closing all the curtains, lighting some candles. And then my anchor, which would be the chemicals on the match that keep it lit after you strike it, my anchor would be music. I would put headphones on and I would listen to some really, not like scary music from like horror movies, but like just eerie, creepy piano music. Think uh, James Newton Howard from, you know, The Sixth Sense. Think of The Village, it's also James Newton Howard. Um, there was some piano music, creepy, eerie music that sometimes would be like James Horner. And there's also some creepy stuff from like uh, a series of unfortunate events. Uh, and the music in that is Thomas Newman. So it, it just kind of, I would pick and choose all these eerie little pieces that went with a movie that I may or may not have ever even seen. But for some reason, score music, it has that emotion added to it because they're trying to convey a specific feeling of a, a movie or a show. And that in a, in, sen in a sense helped me to convey the same kind of feeling in my writing. Now that I'm in my late 30s and I'm no longer an aspiring author and am an artist instead, that still hasn't changed. I still listen to a lot of score music in order to get a vibe that I'm trying to convey in a specific scribble or painting or whatever. But it isn't just score music anymore. Now it's just kind of like all music. In fact, sometimes I'll create whole series based on like one genre. I'll do some jazzy kind of pieces and then I'll go do some lo-fi work. You know, I, I get kind of interested in, in the psychology aspect to see how it translates onto the page from depending on what I'm listening to. So what is your anchor? What is something that will hold you to the specific theme or mood or whatever you want to call it that your series or project is you're trying to convey in that and don't put yourself in a box either don't feel like just because you're a visual artist you have to only gain inspiration from other visual artists or just because you're a musician you have to only gain inspiration from other musicians I think that we are often told that we have to kind of digest a lot of the same stuff that we do that's by other people in order to kind of maintain our own style. So say they say, oh, if you're trying to build your style, make sure that you're kind of also digesting other work that is in the same style. And sure, that's true to a point, but don't just stay in that area. You can gain inspiration from the people that you follow that you want to be someday. I get it. Uh, your mentors and your 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 heroes, you know, <laughs> but you also need to gain inspiration from things that have nothing to do with your type of creative endeavor. You need to gain inspiration from completely different things. If you're a watercolor artist, go go look at a bunch of oil paintings, and if you are a jazz musician, go listen to a bunch of rock, or even not even just auditory. Go 
go go to an art museum and see some art on the walls. If you and so go even further than that, you don't have to stay even in your own medium. You can get get out there and find something different. For you know, we have five senses, right? We have five senses. So if you're having it. If you are invited to an art museum, I say go for it. If you're invited to a concert, I say go for it. If you're invited to go on a walk in a downtown city, I say go for it. Or even if you're not invited, just go do those things. Take in all the information that you can. Take in all the inspiration you can. All the out external forces, all of your senses. Give them something to chew on. And then you may, you may get something completely different. Uh, that you can then apply to your own work. So yeah, don't put yourself in a box. Get inspiration from your creative heroes, sure. But but branch out. Branch out and go try something new. Go do something new. Go entertain yourself in ways that you probably never thought of entertaining yourself. And then figure out what... And then see if there's an anchor in there that maybe kind of puts you into a mindset that you've maybe even never thought of before. And maybe it'll inspire a new music album or a new book. And then now you have this new anchor that can tie you to that feeling or that mood. So that way you can then apply it to your own creative journey, right? Finally, I just wanted to get on here and maybe make a brief little statement on what we're supposed to do when it's just another ordinary day and we're kind of not feeling one way or another in particular, but we really need to get some work done, okay? We, just because we do what we love does not mean that there are days we don't wake up and we're like, I do not want to go to work today. We do that. We do still wake up and think, good Lord, I just want to take a day off. But we have deadlines. We have an event coming up. We have subs that we need to get out. We have an exhibition that we need to get ready for. We don't have the luxury of just not doing anything. So just like anybody else who has a job, we still have to go to work even when we don't feel like it too. So how do we do that though? And what if like, and, and that goes along with what we just talked about, like with the anchor and the, and the, the sparking, the, the mood and everything. But when we're just really not feeling it, sometimes even that stuff cannot get us in the mood. And how are we supposed to work when we just aren't feeling it? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but you're just going to have to do it. I... I, and I'm not talking about burnout here. I'm not talking about when you're getting burnout and you're just like, I don't even want to do this in my life anymore. I'm not talking about that. That's when you need to take a break. That's when you need to take that day off, okay? But if you're just, you're just not feeling it because you're just like, eh, you know, I'm tired today or I'd rather be doing this. I, I personally would rather be playing Sims right now, you know. What do you do? when you're just not feeling it. Well, like I said, this is the moment of tough love. You're just going to have to sit down and start working. Okay? That's the very that's going to be the hardest part. Okay? Adrian Mishler in Yoga with Adrian, she says that rolling out the yoga mat is the hardest part, and she's right. That is the hardest part. 
So when you're an artist, sometimes the hardest part is just that first mark on the canvas. Once you get that over with, then you're done. Then you're like, okay, cool. Then I can keep going. Or sometimes, like if you're a writer, that first paragraph can be, can work. Like there is, here's an example. When I was in college, I had to write, you know, I had to write essays. Essays suck. I hate writing essays, but when I would get past that introduction, which was always the hardest part for me, I would, the rest would just kind of flow beautifully, and then that would be it. I, but that initial paragraph was the hard, that was that big hurdle that you have to climb over before you can get going on the, it gets the gears turning. It's like oiling the gears, and now that they're turning, you know, what, an object that stays in motion, uh, an object in motion stays in motion. I can't talk this morning, but an object in motion stays in motion. So get up, start doing what it is you need to do, even if you don't want to. And once you're kind of doing it, you actually might find either A, that, okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm in the zone now. I can do this. Or you might find after 30 minutes that it's just not happening. Like yesterday, I recorded the same 10 minutes of this episode for three hours. <laughs> and I, after a while, I was like, okay, this is not happening. I need to go to bed. I, or I, I needed to go to, I needed to go to bed all day, but I needed to take a break, sleep on it, come back to it this morning. And I came back this morning thinking, okay, let's do this. Let's get this over with, because I really want to put out an episode for my followers and it's important to me and it's important to them and yada, yada, bapanada, right? So that initial you got to figure out what that initial hurdle is. For me, leaving the house. I am very against leaving the house, okay? <laughs> I don't know if it's like a, an introverted thing or what, but the very hardest part for me is opening my door and stepping outside. Once I do that, there's nothing that there's nothing going to stop me. After that, I'm 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 golden. I'm out of the house. I made it. So now I can go out into the world and do my own thing. So you kind of just, you kind of just have to push through it. And like I said, this is not applying to those of you who are starting to feel burned out. And there are a couple of episodes in, on this podcast about burnout, but there's also tons of research, uh, articles, articles and, and just helpful things out there on the internet that you can look up to find, kind of figure out if you're actually feeling burned out or if you're just having a funky day. And then... You can decide whether or not it is that break you need or if it's you just need to kind of suck it up buttercup and get started. Who knows? The day that you wake up feeling the most resistant to doing your work might be the day that you make one of your biggest creative breakthroughs. But you'll never know until you start. And that is it for episode 19. I hope that you get gain a little bit of information and maybe learn something new about emotions and stuff like that. Um, while I'm on the topic, I do want to give you guys a little PSA that if you are having problems with your emotions that maybe you shouldn't be having, like if you have anxiety or depression or if you're just dealing with something that just is interrupting your whole life and just, just making the quality of your life not what you want it to be 
never be afraid to ask for help. We go to the doctor when we have an ear infection and we get antibiotics and we're better, right? Why should your mental health be any different? So if you are feeling not up to par and you just need help working through something or you don't know why you're feeling something and it's quite literally, like I said, it's all chemicals. It's a chemical imbalance going on in there. You may need to go to the doctor, maybe get some medication, go to therapy. Those are things that are going to help you in your physical well-being that will then translate to your emotional well-being that will actually give you the quality of life that you deserve. So don't don't let the stigma get to you. You need help, go ask for help. Get the help you need and get back on track to having the life that you have always wanted to live. Before I go, I have to thank a few people. I have to thank Onda Norte and Franz Gordon for the music. I have to thank Epidemic Sound for providing the music. And then lastly, again, I'm going to thank you for being here with me. And I hope that you have an awesome day today. Thank you for joining me.